Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. Ange, how does it feel that your favorite hockey team is about to win the Stanley Cup? An expansion team that's been around for five years is going to win a cup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It feels great. Yeah, but that's your favorite team. Now it is, yeah. It is. Um, yeah, Vegas wins 5-2 to take a one nothing series lead against the Panthers. Um, watching this game back, honestly, like Florida doesn't typically dominate first periods. They don't typically outshoot their opponents, but they did both in this game. Um, but I think it was Florida taking two penalties in the first that, I mean, it's not going to happen forever mm-hmm. because we know that once, I don't know, you can say game four, game five is when the refs will start to not call penalties ever. I mean, they, they took two penalties in the first. One led to an Eric Stahl goal, a shorty by Eric Stahl. And then the other led to the tying goal by Marchezo, which is, I mean, he's been heating up lately. I mean, what Did he have no goals in like the first round or two? And then he had that natural hat trick against, and, uh, who was it? Was it Seattle in game seven? No, it was Dallas, I think. It No, it was Seattle. You're right. In Seattle game seven. And then he was good in the Dallas series as well. And he hasn't looked back since. He's been on fire. And then like this, these are two teams that I think they play similar in the way that they'll, they're not scared to mix it up a little bit and they'll, they'll be greasy and they'll be rough. And even, and then you saw that immediately less than 10 sec, less than 10 minutes, sorry, into this game, there was a scrum. If you saw like Sam Bennett kind of gave Aiden Hill a cross check and then Aiden Hill got up, kind of smacked him with his blocker. And then it was like a dog pile. There was like five mini brawls, mini tussles going on like 10 minutes in. They set the, they set the tone for the rest of the game. I think the rest of this series. So, like as a neutral, that's something that's keeping me engaged in this series. Even though I have, I don't want Florida to win. I don't have the um, love for the Knights that you do. Who's Aiden Hill? Are you? Do you mean Aiden Holpe? Aiden Holpe with that save. Um, yeah, Aiden Holpe, the noted fourth choice goalie for these guys coming in, is now making like world class saves with the team's life on the line. Like that, that, that. We can talk about that save. It came um halfway sorry a minute a minute into the second the game was still tied 1-1 at the time if that goes in like what do you think like that, that game can change it and Florida can go on to win it for all you know like saves like that make a series and make a game yeah I mean early on it looked like it was going to be the same type of Florida game Bar- not Barbashev but Brovsky I think makes a breakaway save either on Carrier or was it Barbashev who regardless of who it was somebody it was, it was a stone cold glove save I was at work and I was talking to my coworkers, and I was like oh this is just going to be another classic Bobrovsky goal yeah. saved above expected off the charts. And then um, Matthew Kachuk or Verhage or someone comes off the rush and scores a goal to, to win 2-1. And I mean, after the first period, Florida looked really good. But after the first period, I mean, Bobrovsky was human and that's why they got hammered. Yeah, they came they came back into it in the second. I think they, they outshot Florida considerably in that second period. Yeah. But I want to go back and I want to ask you a question about, about these saves. Like every time a goalie makes a save like that. The, the, the save is obviously incredible, but it's like the players putting the puck right in the middle of the net on the ice. Like yeah. It looks like they're not aiming. Do you think in those types of moments, it's like everything happens so quick, you're just trying to get a shot off, you don't care if it goes in, or so you don't care where it goes as long as it's on net? Or do you think these guys are like, oh my God, the net's open. I'm just going to, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to like put it in the net. And then the, the the goalie just takes his paddle out. Like, what do you think? I have to think there's oh in that in that save in those in those types of saves. Oh. Every time those crazy saves are made, it's usually along the ice in the middle of the net, and they're not, you know, putting it. It's in the instinct- corner. It's or, instinctual, yeah. And it's who was the guy that got stoned there? I can't remember. It might have been like a Riley Smith or somebody. Oh, so had, it was a big. It was I, a bigger goal I can't score. Can't quite remember. Yeah, I mean, usually in those types of plays, you just. Yeah, it, it's so instinctual. You just try to throw it on net quick with a goalie like that's a Vesna caliber like Bobrovsky. You know, the only way you beat him is by getting Hill, him out of Hill. Sorry. Oh my gosh. With Hill. Hill's playing like a Vesna type he goalie is. right now. With goalies that are playing that well, I mean, the only way that you beat them is getting them out of position. So I guess you prioritize um, getting the shot off quick rather than putting it in a corner. But then you run the risk of being on a highlight reel for the next. Yeah, years. he he was in the crease. Yeah, when when he took that shot. So I'm yeah. just thinking. I guess he he must have thought also like, Aiden Hill's literally in the corner, 
There's no way he's getting here, but he just stuck his paddle on man. I mean, that save is incredible. He deserves all the credit for that, but yeah, I feel like you could do better as a shooter, but I guess if it's happening, comes at you and you're in the crease, you just get it off. Because if you don't get a shot off, in. it's probably worse. I, I agree. For a highlight reel save to be made like that, I mean, the goalie has to be out of position to begin with, which means that that puck should go in 100% of the time. He's going to be replaying that moment in his head for months, but he's lucky that lucky it didn't they, result in a loss. Lucky they uh, Well, it did, no, because it... Oh, my God. We just Dude, had I two keep, brain farts. I keep messing I it up. I said it was Riley Smith. That yeah. would never happen. And you <laughs> said it was Bobrovsky. That also is not possible. Yeah, he's going to be replaying. Whoever it was, yes. he will be replaying them. I think it was 1-1 at the time, It right? was 1-1. Yeah. Halfway, a minute into the second. Wow, that's Florida f- goes on to take a lead. Who knows? That's funny. That's how much yeah. I don't want to talk about Florida. Anyway, but going back to Vegas's first goal, the Chandler Stevenson makes an incredible backhand p- pass. He's like ripping around the net, and then mm-hmm. no, nobody's expecting him to just pass it through. Is he? I, I think he has a case to be made. Like everyone says, oh, Barkov is the most underrated player in the league. He's not anymore not because anymore. he's a superstar and yeah. everyone knows him. I, I think Chandler Stevenson has an actual case to be the most underrated player in the league. For sure. What are his stats like over the last few he, years? He's got to be hovering around he had like 60, 65 points this, this oh, year in 80 games. Like he's not really a good. point a game, but he's really, really good. Yeah, and he's not he's not even playing with the big boys because Ico plays one C, right? Stevenson's yeah. two C. He's the he's the two C for them. And when he came over from the Capitals, I think he won the cup with the Capitals that year. I think that was before he was on Vegas. So I think he might have played Vegas in the finals that year. But he was just known as like this really really fast skater who was a third liner who like check for you. But before they got Eichel, he was their one C, and he was really good for them. He was. And now he's their two C, and he's one of the better two Cs in the West for sure, if not the league. Just. He just does kind of a bit of everything. I think he play he penalty kills any. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he also plays on their first line power play. And when when a two or three C gets you 65 points, I mean on a line that typically doesn't play drive, I mean you'll take that. He he already has um 15 points in 18 games this this playoffs. Wow. Yeah. I mean uh, yeah. Going back to that, I, I would agree. He's he's either him or Rupe Hans are probably the two most underrated players in the league. But for Rupe different Hintz reasons, is, like nobody yeah. knows who Stevens is in, is, and he's putting up points like that. A lot of people know who Rupe Hintz is, but they don't know that he's as good as he is. Barkov, I mean, used to be the old Rupe Hintz, but I think now yeah. with this with this playoff run being in the finals, everyone knows, you know, Barkov. We, I hear it all the time on that broadcast. Well, oh, multiple Selkie winner, Selkie finalist. Like everyone knows who he is now. He's he's been so under underrated, quote unquote, that I think like everyone knows that he's just good. Like yeah. he's just a top ten center in the league. Period. He's not yeah. underrated anymore. He's close. He's had a bit of a down year this year. Is he a top ten well, center in the league? It's top. That he's he's close. I think body of work he is. Like he's been top ten center in the league maybe over the past five years. Yeah. Maybe right now you could probably name quickly like seven you would take over him that are better than him. I could the rest seven. are. I could name seven. Yeah, probably. C- can we name seven together? Well, for sure. Matthews, okay. McKinnon, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Crosby. I'll take Jack Hughes over him too. Jack Hughes over Barkov right yeah. now. Yeah, especially in the, for the. Jack Hughes is good defensively as well. He's way too good of a goal scorer. Would you take I'll take Rupe, Thompson? No, I'll take Rupe Hintz over Rupe Hintz, him. So yeah, what? Seven. Seven? Who, we're Who missing big... We're definitely missing some big guys because we're doing this right off. We're going to look stupid. No, we got it. There's got to be guys who... I'll take Tim Stutzel over Barkov. Really? Yeah. You got um, Rupe Hintz? I got Rupe so Hintz. So you're at eight? Yeah. The, yeah Who we're, are the other really, really good teams? Would we're missing Steven Stamkos? Uh, uh, probably not. Not over Barkov, not right now, not right now. I'll still take Patrice Bergeron over Barkov. He's gonna, he's he's like kind of semi-retired for next year. I'll take I'll, Patrice is going to win the Selkie again this he year. He is. You're right. He had an incredible season. I'm trying to go through Who all of the, the Metro Zibanejad. I won't. What about okay Zibanejad? You won't. No, I won't. Um, Who else? Who's on the? Oh, I mean, not not taking Barzal or Horvat. No, I'm trying to taking go through Hishir? the Metro no. as well. Sebastian Aho. Mm. That's tight. That's. Regardless, finish, regardless he's around the top 10. I might even take Jack Eichel over him, to be honest. Really? We'll see. I don't know. I'd have well, to think keep, keep, keep that. Keep thinking about it because I oh, will be asking you later about that exact question. Um, when, you're, when you're a top 10 center in the league now or hovering there, it's, it's tough to be considered underrated anymore. I exactly. Mean, coming into this year, we even said Barkov was probably a top 5, 6 center. Remember we gave that list and we were swapping out Crosby for Barkov? Yes. And Barkov had a bit of a down year this year, but I mean, getting his team to the finals definitely means something. Yeah, that whole team had a, except for Matthew Kachuk, had a down year. Yeah, like, the rest, the, they're luck. Obviously, they're not. They're obviously lucky to be where they are, but this has changed the narrative on what we think about the Florida Panthers because we would have, everyone would have been talking crap about them for the whole summer if they didn't make the playoffs because you go from President's Trophy like a thirty point drop off, not thirty points, I think twenty. To, yeah, Maurice, Maurice might have gotten fired. Honestly, yeah. 
there would have been a strong case, and now he's probably bought himself like another two or three seasons easy. I hope he never wins a cup. I know that's terrible. I just I hope not because I don't like him, but because I don't want Florida winning a cup. Fair. Do you see his um? He honestly like he, I think he's relishing getting this airtime now yeah. because he was in like Winnipeg before, and I mean he was at the Leafs before the Leafs were good, and he was on Carolina when they were kind of bad, and now he's on Florida. No one really cares about them unless they're good. But did you? He he's a really good quote. Like he loves being in front of the microphone yeah. and talking like he just loves it's like his border, own voice borderline narcissistic where it it's like is. everybody calm the bleep down but i kind of like it yeah it's I mean, funny i think i think uh, florida takes pride in having that like underdog villain arc oh. and if he's gonna he's gonna probably say things on the presser that fires his team up it keeps that motivation going because they're still a big underdog in this series i mean now they for sure are an underdog being down one nothing if if they win this i think they would t- they would have beat the first second no third the first the sorry i can't speak but it would have been four out of the top five teams overall in the league yeah it i think been. they would beat them boston was one i think we were four carolina was three and vegas was five vegas was five so was, one I, three four five i can't even remember who two was but regardless i mean yeah that's insane it's honestly there's something in the water in my in in, in florida like sunrise and miami are right beside each other the, yeah no the, they're they're miami the heat are doing the same thing i mean they took yeah. out a one seed in in milwaukee swept them they took out um, the MVP in Joel Embiid, and they took out the two seed in the Celtics, where I think we're third in the league. Mm-hmm. And if they somehow win this, they're going to have to take out the one seed again. I mean, that would be crazy if both Miami teams squeaking into a wild card, both of them should have never even been in the playoffs. Like we talked about this. Florida was, what, um, a Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh-Chicago win away from not being in. I think Jimmy Butler lost game one of the play-in, and he had like— Oh, wow. Right? They. They were on the brinks of elimination. They somehow beat Chicago in the second plane, and both of these teams are on a run. Like, what a time to be a a resident of, like, South yeah. Beach or something You're like probably that. from Ontario, but yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's probably great to be there. Um, okay, before we wrap up talking about this game, I told you to think about Eichel Barkov because I wanted to give you a little Eichel would you rather because I know that he's kind of your boy. And if the Golden Knights win mm-hmm. and Bobrovsky is kind of average this series he has a really strong case to make for Smythe. oh he'll win the Smythe. yeah I, I remember last time on tiktok too when we gave a, a would you rather with jack eichel and they picked jack eichel over people people were not happy so i think these names are kind of different that's obviously barkov's one of them but um let's start let's just get cat out of the bag let's do it jack eichel or barkov right now I love Jack Eichel. I'm going to take Jack Eichel. And really? I know like Barkov is the better defensive center, but Jack Eichel holds holds his own, excuse me, in his defensive end. He's better offensively, I think, and he's shown he's a better big-time player. Like he's been great in this playoffs and yes. I mean Barkov has been slightly above average, but nothing special. Eichel in his first playoffs in 9 years shows that he wants it. Give me Jack Eichel. Okay. You said that this guy was better than Barkov. So now let's see, Jack Eichel or Tim Stutzler? So is Tim like Tim Stutzler for next season or for the rest of his career? No, no, I want just just next season. Yeah, Tim Stutzler. I mean, really? I, I guess I shouldn't even ask that question. It doesn't change anything. He is so good offensively. I think next year he's going to be a 90-95 point player. And he's, again, not bad in his own zone. Okay. Um, Jack Eichel or Nico Hischier? Oh, that one's tough. Give me Jack Eichel. Again, Nico Hischier is like the Walmart Barkov. He's like the Selkie <laughs> caliber type player, not great offensively. I think Jack Eichel's still good enough at both ends of the ice that offensively I would take him. Okay. This guy's one of the most underrated goal scorers over the past, I don't know, three, four years. Do you want Jack Eichel or Mika Zibanejad? I've been a Mika Zibanejad fan forever. And again, I remember last time we took a Would You Rather, people did not like my Zibanejad take. I'll side with the masses here. I'll still go Jack Eichel as well. Really? Yeah, just this playoff performance. Like Even last time when we talked about Kachuk, playoff performances carry weight. And I think what Jack Eichel's doing makes me want to take him. Okay, fair enough. Second last, you, um, Jack Eichel or his American teammate, Dylan Larkin. Oh, that's an easy one. Jack Eichel. Yeah, Dylan Larkin. I feel like Dylan Larkin on a better team would be a lot, would have a way better sort of reputation and performance, but I do agree with you on this one. Is this going to be the first sweep in Would You Rather history? No, maybe not. Do you want, I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but I have to ask because I think this guy's disrespected. Do you want Jack Eichel or Captain John Tavares? Oh, that's a tough one. Give me Johnny. I'll take yeah, Johnny take T. Johnny. I know Johnny T Some is respect. slow, but he's still an 80, 85-point player. Yeah. I know he was bad in the playoffs, but he wasn't terrible. Leadership matters too. P- 
people aren't going to like that. Johnny's been slow his whole career. I think is I think he'll have longevity in this league because yeah. he knows how to play the without speed. Doesn't speed. matter to me. Give me yeah, give me John Tavares. That's going to ruffle feathers, but I, we'll do it. I think with John Tavares, yeah, you said it. He's a point of game player. I think Eichel was just barely point of game this season. Yeah, like they were pretty bang even. There was a period of time that Bruce Cassidy was calling out Jack Eichel, saying he wasn't good enough. I, I think mean, that worked. No, it did work. But Jack Eichel will win the Consmith for sure if if they win. Yeah. Do what? What if? Okay, I know Bob had a really bad game, but what if? What if Bob like has like a nine fifty the rest of the way, and it, they take it to seven and lose Florida? And Vegas wins with Bob Vegas having a nine fifty. Yes, he would have had to stand on his head. And they're winning games like two one or one or like one nothing. Then like, maybe I just think it's so tough to give it to a guy that didn't win. I've never seen it in my life. Like the last time might have Jager, been Jagger, right? Jager Which is in what like early two thousand? I think. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't know if it's happened since. Like I actually can't recall, but that was definitely the one that stands out. Yeah. No, I I still think Jack Eichel would win. Here's a question: If if the Vegas Golden Knights win. The cup. Who's the guy that's getting it first? Who who is Mark Stone passing it to? Who it has to be some one of the other like original guys there. I so looked maybe at the like lines a last Braden night. McNabb. If he's has been McNabb been there the whole time? Uh, I don't know, but I I know who's favored because I looked at the lines last night. So yeah. we'll see if you can guess it. Maybe I'm trying to think of who's like kind of old and it's, has been there. It's a mix of tenure, leadership, like being a veteran. You're right, and also just being good. There's one guy that really stands out, hits all of those. Marshall's the other guy that comes to yes, mind. Marshall's an overwhelming favorite. I feel like that would be that. Would, that would make sense. Yeah, I think I've, I think Marshall will get it too. Especially because he's probably going to play a big role if they actually win. He yeah. scored a goal yesterday. Yeah, um, I could definitely see him giving it to him. I I agree. In order for like. We'll be saying the same thing again and again. In order for Florida to win this series, they're going to need Bobrovsky to have a 940, yeah. and they're going to have to score off the rush. And last night, I think the first game since I've started watching Bobrovsky in these playoffs against the Leafs, he looked human. Like He had an, yeah. eight, an 880. He had a 4.02 goals against. I mean, But granted, if you look at the um, the stats off Money Puck, Vegas had a 4.79 goals, sorry, expected goals, which is so, which is where they should have scored. So right? He was just making the saves he should have made. He was, he was average. And when that happens, yeah. Florida is going to get hammered. Florida had an expected goals of two and a half, which is around what they scored. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Florida is not a Stanley Cup caliber team. They have a Stanley Cup caliber goalie who will bail them out. And I mean, obviously it's trivial. Your best player needs to play well in order to win. But it is, it is exacerbated for this team because without Sergei Bobrovsky, they wouldn't have even... They wouldn't have even finished round one. I guess that's why you pay a goalie ten million. Yeah. You hope that, you know, if you if you're expecting Austin Matthews to score seven goals to win you a seven game series, you is it fair to expect your ten million dollar goalie to be a nine forty? Or isn't is that like I guess we're I guess having to rely on a goalie and a position that's historically volatile is like not a not a sustainable recipe for success. No, I, I agree. Here's a good question. The Bobrovsky sorry, let me repeat this. This is a good question. Um, a lot of times when we talk about the worst contracts in the NHL, mm-hmm. for the longest time, it uh, it has always been Seth Jones, Sergei Bobrovsky. Those have been the two names that have been sure. in there. It's pretty bad. Right? They've been bad. Let's say Sergei Bobrovsky goes on a run. They win the Stanley Cup this year. Does that turn this entire contract from terrible to one of the better ones over his tenure? I think it makes it good for for Florida. You You pay a guy $10 million to eventually win a cup, hopefully. So I feel like they they'd be vindicated in giving that contract up because he would be the sole reason that they won that cup or the major reason, not if not the sole reason. But you think it would be a good contract? There came a, so they signed him right after he won his Vesna. He yeah. lost a starting job. Oh, I think objectively, if if you're still looking around the league and you're thinking, oh, giving goalie ten million dollars is still a good idea, I think objectively that's not a good idea anymore. And I think this contract and the Carey Price one are two lessons as to why that's the case. Like I don't think Connor Hellebuck, who would be as good as Bob was when he got his contract. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see teams lining up to give Hellebuck $10 million. Because I think the league has learned that these contracts are just not good. So you would have still called it a sub-mediocre contract. Yeah, I'd say objectively based on what... And you only get paid for the regular season. That's true. Right? I think objectively it would have been a not great contract. But if you go on and win a cup in your Florida, you're like, I don't care. I pay $10 million for a cup, essentially. And you do that any day. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good take. I'm... I'm I'm kind of happy that honestly, I think even if even if Florida loses it, I'm I'm kind of happy to see Bobrovsky's come back. We don't have to talk about him talk about him anymore as being one of the most overrated, highest paid players in NHL. I mean, he's still one of the highest paid, but at least he had one stretch of dominance yeah. that kind of justified that huge lump of money. I feel like if they win this cup and he wins the Conn Smythe, he'll be remembered in a way that Pekka Rinne is remembered. That's true. Pekka Rinne was 
and extremely flip-floppy from year to year. He was either yeah. great, like he was either what Bobrovsky is now, or he was kind of an average goalie. But even two years after his retirement, we don't think about Pekka Arena as his inconsistent goalie. We think about him as one of the best of the last generation because when he was so good, he was so good. And he went to the cup final and he went on some playoff runs and where he played incredibly for Nashville. So I think even if Bob maybe doesn't win, we're still going to remember him that way. But if he wins especially, he will be remembered as a great goalie. That was the cup final. They were down 3 nothing and came back, right? against, And then they came all the way, made all the way to the final against Pittsburgh. Is that the one? They win the final against Pittsburgh, but I don't remember the other series in that in that run. They, so they maybe were that's down what three happened. Nothing. They're the last team to come back. I think that's why they brought Laviolette on when the Leafs were down three nothing. They brought him on the panel because he's the last coach to get back down three nothing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that was a crazy run. They were down three nothing in run one and then made the Cup final and then they yeah. lost to Sid. Well, sp- speaking of Laviolette, like we didn't talk about this before, but because his name came up, when I heard him being in the the guy that the, the Rangers are going to hire, that's kind of surprising to me. I just feel like he's run his course as an effective coach in the league. Does it surprise you, though? It seems like anyone with half a hockey brain knows that the same 30 coaches yeah. are switching every five seconds. I it's mean, true. I, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think it's the right move, but I'm in no way surprised that this no. is the move that was made. When's the last time a new coach that wasn't had, didn't have previous coaching history became a coach in the NHL? Was it actually Sheldon Keefe? I know that might bring up my Leafs, you no, know, my bias Sheldon here. Keefe was one of the more recent ones. I guess if you count Andrew Brunette when he was with... Florida, yeah, he would be because he was just an. But he was an assistant coach. He was an assistant. That's what before. I mean. I'm talking about a guy who had no NHL coaching experience and becomes a head coach. It just yeah, doesn't Keith happen. Keith wasn't an, wasn't an AG, wasn't a, an assistant coach. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like the Rangers want a tenured type of coach. They wanted to move away from like a very loud Gerard Gallant to a guy that's more not soft spoken, but more operates behind the behind the curtains a little bit. It kind of looks like Laviolette is a little more tamed in that respect. He's not as animated on the bench, that's but I think word. he still has a little bit of that old school mentality oh, in there, sure, which I don't know if is I don't know if that's what this team needs. The Rangers are full of a bunch of players who are veteran, right? They're not young. I mean, they do have that one kid line. I do they think they have younger that, players, but you're right. I think Lafreniere and Capocacco won't be Rangers by the end of this year. So I mean, yeah, especially with them bringing in Laviolette, it shows that they're committed to veteran, like a veteran type team. And if those two guys are gone, they're not focused on development. It probably is not a terrible move. But if Lafreniere stays, I mean. His career is going well, down the drain. Already. Like, I don't know if there's a coach that could come in and rescue his career. I think yeah. he does need it. You've mentioned it a bunch of times. A change of scenery would be good for him. Yeah, hopefully he gets it. Yeah. But, and even if, uh, and I don't think Patrick Kane's going to be back there. I, I Just Maybe. Surgery, yeah, right? he's going to be out until like, probably November, December. Yeah. So I wonder if they if they bring him back. I mean, he wasn't great no. in the Rangers jersey. And he's a... I wonder how much he'll want. He'll probably want like a three by five or something like that. Do you think he's worth that? Yeah, I think he is. Last year he had 90, 92, 93 points. He had a down year this year because he was hurt. But I, And I would have been very hesitant to give a 32-year-old with hip surgery money. But I mean, Brad Marchand showed he came back from it well this year. Yeah, it's true. And if you're going to give him, I, I would take a chance with him on three by five. I mean, what's the worst that happens? I guess five million money. nowadays is like a third liner. Yeah. So, especially if he's, I wonder if a team can actually leverage the fact that he's going to be on LTIR for a bit. I wonder if that helps. He's going to have to come back eventually, but I know there are teams out there that could probably find a way to use that to their advantage. And then you're getting back Patrick Kane, even if he's 85% of what we expect him to be. That's still a really good player. Yeah. We're going to get into the Leafs, but let's say Magical World, Brad Living comes in and wants to make a splash signing and also an attempt to keep Matthews around. Signing Patrick Kane, I think, would help in that regard because they're like... They're buddies. They're buddies. Would you would you take Patrick Kane at three by five for the Leafs, or do you think he doesn't fit the mold of what no, the Leafs are trying to perfect. become? I would love that because I, I think that opens the door to losing William Nylander because um, he's, he's yeah. inevitably going to go, and it's it's about as good as a replacement as you can get for that kind of guy. Especially the Leafs, Leafs probably have another two three year window anyway, so that contract is in line with that. It is two. It's two to three years unless they all sign back somehow, which they're not. Which I don't. I see two with two or of three of them staying. But all three is going to be tough. Like, it was tough the first time. I think it's going to be even harder this time. Yeah, it's pretty much impossible now. The Matthew Nyes deal will help us a lot. The Joseph yeah. Gold deal will help us a lot. But, yeah. We're just going to take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, 
you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. We're going to talk about what Trey Living's going to do, but let's just talk about him first. Nothing is what he's going to do. What's that? He's going to do nothing. I hate this deal. I hate this move so much. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we talked about how we weren't, we didn't like the idea of it before. That was yeah. before we had heard him speak, and we got a chance to hear him speak a couple of days ago. Honestly, I was fairly impressed with this press conference, so I would say my, my panic meter has decreased a little bit, but do you feel the same? From what I got from his press conference is he isn't going to make any big-time changes to the core four. He isn't going to do anything drastic, and his core priority is signing Austin Matthews. Yeah. That sounds extremely similar to what Dubas was going to do. So if that was the case, why did we go out and get... Well, we know. We know. We know. Because it got personal. So now you agree with me that it was a pride personal reason that, that Shanahan fired up. I think that had a lot to do with it, yeah. If that's the reason, then, then, then fine. I agree. I wonder if a part of me said... I wonder if a part of sorry, a part of me thinks that Kyle Dubas went into Shanahan's office before they um before what transpired transpired and said nothing's off the table. One of these guys is going, and Shanahan said no, we're not doing that. So he fired him and got a guy well, that Dubas said as much in his press conference before he talked about what 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 seemed to be the nail in the coffin about not being sure if he wanted to come back. He was like nothing is off the table. Yeah, and I wonder if Shanahan was like, nah, none of these big guys are going. You're you're out of here. Well, Trey Living did say. Or tree living, whatever, however you pronounce his name, he did say that he really likes the way this team is constructed. But he also did say, "Will will we open anything?" But I feel like you have to you, say that. You say that to say that maybe because you don't want people to start writing stories about five thousand trade proposals for William Nylander like they would always do anyway. You don't want yeah. to like I guess add fuel to that fire. No, I agree. I think Brad Trey Living knows the relationship Matthews had with Kyle Dubas. It's a big reason why we said after Dubas got fired, he probably yeah. was not probably wasn't going to sign back. He probably still will, but the probability has obviously decreased. I don't know who wrote the speech for Brad Trey Living in that presser, but they did a good job stressing um, yeah. building a relationship and being committed to, you know, being a player's GM. And I, I mean, whatever it takes to sign 34, you do it, right? I think, yeah, you have to. You have to go out of out of your way to do that. I think he said he's going to fly to Arizona and meet him. Like, he better. He better yeah. because if he steps in here and doesn't sign back, who I'll call the best Leaf of all time. I got some hate on TikTok for, for calling him the best Leaf of all time. Most talented Leaf. Yeah. Probably when things are all said and done, the best Leaf of all time. I think he is the best. Like if we take away guys that won Cups in 1967, I mean, he's probably the most successful Leaf in the new era. I mean, how yeah. many has he's, a Leaf ever won a Hart Trophy before? That before 1967 or back to back Richards? I a long time. can't remember a Leafs player that won a Richard. I don't think Rick Vive won it the year he got 55. I don't think he did. It didn't even exist, right? I don't. Either way, he's there. He is probably the most decorated Leaf. Yeah, but I think he's word. just. I think people would have come. People where people would disagree with you, and I would say probably incorrectly, is that he doesn't lead the Leafs in all-time points and goals. Fair enough. If he stays, he will undoubtedly shatter all those records. Yeah, adjusted so, for adjusted for number of games, yeah. he shatters every record, and he's been here long enough that that matters. Seven years. Yeah, that's a long. That's a long enough time to be considered the best player of an organization. Mm. Is I it th- I seven so. years? Yeah, I think so. But he's not even. He hasn't played his. He hasn't even played through his prime here yet. And look how good he's been. I know. Already. So I'm. Th- I think before you, I th- I do think he's the best lead to ever play in terms of talent and success, but. I think if he wants to like actually go down and be recognized like 20 years later as the best ever, I'd love for him to stay another 10 years and cement that legacy, yeah, which I think, I think he's open to doing. I think we all would. I mean, what is it going to yeah. take to sign him back? At least 13 million. Yeah, it's not going to... I had said for the longest time, 15, but it's not going to be 15 anymore. I think his, his really bad second round is going to bring that AAV down. He'll be the highest paid player in the NHL until McDavid comes back or yeah. until Dreisaitl comes back up. I think it'll be 13, 13 and a half too. 13 and probably not for eight years. No. Five years at Thir- most. 13 and a half by five is what I would say. Which I would Which, give him. I think you have to give that to him. Yeah, you're signing him up for his, what will be at the best years of his career. And then when he's 31, then at that point, I guess you can think, okay, are the Leafs ready to rebuild? Then 
bye bye if you're ready this if they have a somehow still have a window open and he's 31 you probably sign him again to get two more cracks at a cup or something yeah i agree this is not a player that you can lose because you're trying to shed money like this is a guy you lose because he doesn't like a matthew yeah. chuck i don't want to be here and then you deal with it but we had this conversation a bit off air where we said in the event that austin matthews goes into um, brad trey living's office and says not says I don't want to be here, but says, look, I'm going to pull a Matthew Kachuk. I'm going to see how this year plays out, and then I'll readjust closer to the end of the season next year, figure out if I want to stay or not. Are you trading him before the season starts? So if he doesn't give you something committal before the season yes. starts, you're asking if I trade him or not? He gives you non-trivial doubt that he may walk. I think because he's Austin Matthews and you're the Leafs who can still win next year, you keep him and you try and prove to him, listen, we know there were changes in the offseason that maybe you didn't like. But we're still going to try and be competitive. You're still one of the best players in the league. And I think you try and give him the year to reevaluate. Because I, I do think it's I think it's more yes than no. So I think it's easier to eliminate the doubt and get and turn that you know hint of doubt into like a, a confirmed yes than it is to get good value back from on the trade market. Yeah, but my issue is, is the downside of him last second leaving would decimate the franchise where if you were to get rid of him, not get rid of him, if you were to trade him now, you could probably get three first rounders and a good position player back. It would still keep you relatively competitive. Obviously, you wouldn't be as good without the a top two, three goal scorer on the league on your team, but it would decimate your franchise to let him walk for free. It would, but if if he comes in and says, I will not stay, like similar when Matthew Kachuk said, like, Battery Living said as much. He's like, he told us he didn't want to stay. Nothing was going to change that for him. Fair enough. Then you have to trade him or you have to consider doing that if you get fair value. But if he comes in and says, hey, you know, we made ch- there were a lot of changes to this to this you know front office. I want to see how that manifests in the coming season. You know, I still want to be here, but I just want to, I want to see if everything stays okay before I make that decision. Mm-hmm. I think as Brad... Tree living, you have to be, you have to understand that concern, and then it's on you to to go out and convince him. And I think if that's his message that he's willing to be convinced, I think you take that gamble because he's Austin Matthews. And you're gonna you're gonna let one more cup run year run the risk of him going. Well, because you can still win next year even with him. Yeah, you can, but if you if you're a first round exit again, he's gone. If you're a first round exit again, he's gone. He he. He's gone, but then you're probably still then looking at Willie leaving. You're looking at Tavares being worse. You might not be able to win otherwise, even if he does stay the year after. Like you know what I mean? I think you have to keep him around and try and convince him. Okay, so what if he comes back and he says the same thing to you? He goes, "Yeah, you know, I want to see how this plays out." You get a call from LA, and LA goes three first rounders, Quinton Byfield, and we'll even give you. I still don't even think that's enough. And Phil Deno, you wouldn't take it? I don't think that's. Oh, and Phil Deneau De- and Byfield. We'll give you like we'll give you three first rounders, a decent prospect. Quinton Byfield's a second overall pick. I mean, he hasn't transpired he hasn't as what you would think. Developed into but that. But there's still room for development I would want there. Bra- I would want a different prospect. Yeah. I probably want like a Brent Clark. Three first rounders, Brent Clark, and we'll give you a position player. Are you going to take it? And that's with that would be hard to. S- there's a doubt in your mind that Austin Matthews might not sign back. Yeah. If we have to trade him, I'm looking for like. Yeah, it can't be like a Quinton Byfield where you're like, we, we've seen him in the NHL and we're still unsure about him. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows Brand Clark is going to be a, a top-pairing defenseman for the rest of his career starting yeah. you know two years when he gets his footing in the NHL. I would want a surefire prospect, multiple picks, and, and probably still somebody else you can play on forward to. It doesn't have to be a Phil Deneau, but somebody else to fill a hole on we forward. Would, we would need a centerman coming back, like a decent position player yeah. coming back because we still want to be competitive in, in this window, if you'll call yeah. it that. I. I think that you have to expect something huge like that. And honestly, you don't see those types of trades in the um, NHL ever. Never. But that's similar to what you would expect for an NBA trade. Undoubtedly. And I, right? Kevin Durant just got three first-round picks. I know. Yeah. Three or four first-round f- picks. Three or four. Regardless, Kevin Durant's on term for two more years. It's a bit different. It's different. But you haven't... You're right. You haven't seen... Yeah. That. Still a top-five player in the league. Yeah. Like, KD is still a top five player in the league. I think I have a Kyrie Irving this year. Kyrie Irving's a free agent this summer, and I think is, the Mavs yeah. gave up three or two first rounders for him. Like it was stupid. Yeah, it was and stupid. They, and they gave up like good position players too in those trades, right? Yeah, like Mikhail Mikhail Bridges, is that his name? And Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe. I don't want to. There's my, a couple of guys. Mikhail Bridges for sure. Yeah, yeah. And who, who's turned into kind of a star there now? Yeah, he's, he averages like 22, and he's great defensively. So I think you'd have to expect that if you're gonna. And, and these types of trades never get made in the NHL. That's why we don't even know what the going rate would be. Yeah. 
but for sure multiple firsts, your best prospect, and a really good player as well. And obviously the conditions would, like, LA knows they're going to sign and trade him. Like, that, yeah, that would you, happen. The signing would be imminent. Yeah, and for anyone who says, oh, delusional Leaf fan, you don't understand. Like, guys, like, Matthew got off Selkie votes, two-time Richard winner, Hart winner. Like, that That doesn't happen yeah, often. What would you expect Drysaddle or McKinnon to get traded for? It's a, it's, it's a similar it's, package. It's the same. The only difference is, is Drysaddle, you know, they won an extra round. And he was better in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and he puts up more points. But yeah, if you're taking for a top five player, the Packers aren't looking very different. No. Top, I can't. I genuinely cannot remember the last time a top five player in his entering his prime was ever traded yeah. in the NHL. It's probably never happened. Like a Gretzky, but he got traded for money. Like yeah. they paid fifteen million dollars for true. him. Or it might have honestly been looking back now, Matthew Kachuk. But no one knew yes. Matthew Kachuk was going to be a top yes. five player. And. We'll give credit to the guys in our TikTok comments. It was different because they had no leverage. We acknowledge that. If Matthew Kachuk was not, I'm leaving, and he was, ah, we'll see how it plays out. And if you also knew Matthew Kachuk was who Matthew Kachuk is now, he would have for sure got yeah. that. He had he was incredible that season, but it was his first season where he was, whoa, like you're a, you're an elite player. Yeah, this is different. Now he's confirmed that on a different team with less talent around him. Now we know. He's going to be a top 10 player in the league for his whole career. Like he, like. Yes, yeah. I agree. And it's crazy that he signed to nine and a half. <laughs> that he what? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Eight. Well, no, no state taxes. Yeah. I was um, uh, at a get together yesterday. Not yesterday, whatever. Friday for school, and there was somebody at this get together who plays in the HL. Okay. So we were talking a little bit, and he was talking about. He he said, um, I think guys are starting to recognize the importance of state tax, and they'll be willing to take less money to go play somewhere with no state tax than to you know get the get even more AAV in Toronto because you just take home less. Like, who, like I don't think Matthew Kachuk looks at his AAV and says, you know, I get paid less than Matthews. Yeah, I'm sure if he has a smart agent, he looks at his take-home pay and is like, I make more than Austin Matthews. Obviously, he does that. He looks right? at the final dollars in his exactly. checkings account. I think more people are going to come around to that. So it's like the the, the value you get from a, a no-state tax market like matters. Yeah, and, you know, we one of our... Our first biggest TikToks was about this, and we got a lot of comments saying, you know, NHL players are taxed depending on where they play their home and away game. So only half of their contract is taxed at the marginal tax rate where they're home. And all my responses to that comment were, okay, so four and a half million is taxed at zero percent instead of nine. Still, it's still like, a huge sum of half money. of your salary. Yeah, I mean, regardless, even with all of those nuances, state taxes undoubtedly matter for a player. For sure. Yeah. That's why, like, if Matthew Kachuk is staying in Calgary, do you think he's taking nine and a half? No, he, he would need to take 12 and a half, 13, like, like Huberto got. Because, I mean, Huberto got 11 and a half, but for a guy that was that young, he probably would have demanded 12 and a half. Kadri got, what, seven and a half? I mean, Kadri got seven, yeah. You need to overpay pay there, not only because of the taxes, but because it's, it's not a great place to live. Same same for any Canadian market, Toronto included to a degree. Like, yeah. we're, not, we're not even trying to slander no. other Canadian yeah. markets. It's just a fact. When I say it's not a great place to live, like, I mean, the weather isn't great. Yeah. There's not as much to do in Calgary as there is to do in Florida. In Florida, yeah. you go to the rink with shorts on. Like, it's different. It is different. And if you want to be able to chill out a little bit, yeah. you can do that in that market where, you know, your every move is followed, scrutinized to a degree in Canadian markets even. You know, even a market like like Boston or New York, like the, you can make the same argument for them for them there. Matthew Kachuk was, you know, in New York, he probably would have asked for more than nine and a half because you get you get incredible you get taxed incredibly high in that market as well. Yeah, and I think people forget that NHL players are human beings too. Like true, all else equal, I probably wouldn't want to have to answer questions about what I ate for breakfast in Toronto when in Florida I don't get scrutinized for having one bad game. And, you know, obviously yeah. there there is merit to the argument that you're a professional. This is what you do. You deserve to be held accountable. Fair. But at the yeah. same time, when you have a choice between exactly. holding yourself accountable and being blasted on every press conference, every single podcast, obviously you're not going to choose that. And, I mean, if I was an NHL player, I would want nothing to do with Toronto. If I, And I'm from Toronto. Yeah. Put me in. Put me in LA, like put me in Florida where, you know, the, the market in LA is big, but it's not big enough to go, you you're, know, you had 10 bad games, trade them. You're like the seventh most important team in that market. A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Matthew Kachuk is chilling. He is chilling. I want to quickly just go back to, to Trey Living before we move on. One thing that kind of confused me about the way this hiring process played out was that I think they interviewed literally two people and we're like, yep, this is our guy. Like it, it happened so quickly. Did that concern you at all? It concerned me. Like you didn't even take a 
You didn't even want to listen to what guys like Tulski, Matthew Darsh, other guys who maybe more less experienced had to say. It was just like, no, I'm I'm zoning in on tree living. I'm gonna give Bergevin, Bergevin, a Zoom interview, and I'm gonna like maybe talk to Peter Shirelli on the side, and I'm gonna pick between them three. All those types of guys are veteran type, old time GMs, and I think I think towards the end of the Dubis tenure, Shanahan got kind of sick and tired of like this new wave type GM unjustifiably so i think he was pretty set on the type of gm he wanted to yeah. hire which we talked about he came out and said that and so he only gave the guys interviews that met with that with those characteristics and That's... brad trey living undoubtedly is the best of those three options oh yes if any of those three i i, I don't think i would be sitting here if we had peter shirelli as our gm yeah i'd be in front of scotia maker trying to break into shani's office yeah, like because he's a terrible gm but but I mentioned it though last time. Like even if you know, even if you go into an interview with Eric Tolsky or Matthew Darsh, pick whatever progressive GM candidate you want, and you know in the back of your mind you're not really gonna hire him. But what if Eric Tolsky tells you something that you're like, whoa, I never thought of that, and now I can combine that nugget of information with everything you like about Trey Living and make your team stronger that way. I'm sure that happens. Like I'm so, sure. But I don't think there was even. A mention of him meeting with any of those oh, guys. Oh, that's what you mean. Like, would yeah. you not even want to meet with them just to hear what they have to say? Yeah, I mean, kind of with the way that this whole thing transpired, I kind of get the idea that Shanahan is a my way or the highway type guy, and I he definitely seems that way. But I, I, yeah, a lot of the things that Toronto Maple Leafs do don't make logical sense. It would yeah. have been smart to at least hear other people out. But you know, when you're in a position of power and you have the authority to make changes like that, and maybe he just said, "Nah, I'll do what I want." I mean, clearly, that's definitely how it played out. I'm yeah. concerned that that's the way it happened, though. Um, one more thing. Sheldon Keefe came up in that press conference, and when we were talking about, before Dubas got fired, we were talking about things that need to be changed. At the top of my list, I think Keefe would have been an easy answer, an, an easy change to make. Yeah. And now it sounds like, I would say, probably 75, 80% chance he sticks around. Where do you stand on that? I, I don't understand if there were again like if there were no changes that needed to be made. I mean, I I guess you're right. Dubis left on because it was bad. I I, I think Sheldon Keefe isn't going to be there come training camp. Really, I do. But they they mentioned like, nah, they they, they were talking the very much, and I think a lot of the insiders who have maybe more information than we have publicly available are like, yeah, like there's a really really good chance he sticks around. Let's just say he does though. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, if they're not. I think if they're not leading the Atlantic come Christmas, he's probably gone. Like yeah. the, the leash is the leash is incredibly short. And although okay. you know someone might say leading the Atlantic, like that's that's a very tough thing to accomplish. I, I yeah, that's probably a tough um, benchmark for a coach. But considering the the failure that they have had, he's gonna have to be next to excellent to stay. Okay, I I agree. I when, mean with with Boston presumably taking a step back of some sort. With, that's what you think. That's if what Bergeron, we said last year. Yeah. <laughs> if Bergeron and Krejci come back, I will take that back. If yeah. they don't, I can't imagine them being as good, but we also said that last year. But yeah, I agree. I think you needs to be, like, ha- you needs to have the team playing some of their best hockey right out of the gate, especially because the past two seasons, even though the Leafs finished with 110 plus points, yeah. they were piss poor for a month of October and a lot of November. Bad. High variability on this team. Right. And that's why they get caught in one or two series of playing terrible hockey. Well, that's what I'm saying, especially now, though, with Trey Levin coming in, if do, if Keith doesn't have this team playing their best hockey right away, yeah. then that leash, short leash might be, you know, I, I agree. In, cut. in Calgary, did they keep Sutter past his, his welcome because the owners liked him or because Trey Living liked him? So I think the way that that played out and I think, like, based on what's come out, their owner really wanted to hire Sutter. So okay. he wasn't a Trey Living hire. Okay. And then I think Trey Living wanted to move on move on from him. And then they fired Trey Living before what were Trey Living and the Flames parted ways and then they fired Sutter. Okay, so Daryl Sutter is not following Brad Trey Living to this team. I hope to God no. Because I'm thinking if they're gonna fire Sheldon Keefe, there's just no one on the market that's available that's better. What Jar Gallant? Jared Gallant is such an overrated head coach. He said, "Yeah, I mean, he's had good regular seasons, but not really got it done in the playoffs." No, he's not. He's not marginally different enough from Sheldon Keefe that I would. I would risk making an even yeah. bigger change to this team. There's already been one big change. So, is there something to be said about some stability then? If they keep Keefe around, do you think that could be a positive? Yeah, not even stability. It's just replacement value. Like that was yeah. one of my biggest problems with Trey Living. If 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 a Bruce Cassidy or Mike Sullivan was available this year, like Sheldon Keefe should be fired yesterday. For sure. But that just doesn't exist. Like, there's no coaches out there right now that I would consider hiring. I mean, who's the? Oh my gosh, how am I drawing this blank? Who's the the, the legendary coach that just was a, the Preds GM? If he was available, I would have hired him. Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah but the, they're just not available. Like the, who was on the market this year it was Laviolette. 
Gallant. I think Burnett, John, John Hines is on the market now because he got fired in yeah. Nashville. Burnett for a bit. Burnett, for a bit. sorry. Um, I mean, if John Cooper suddenly became available, Sheldon Keith gets fired. But you, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I guess just if you, you're not going to make a clear upgrade, then what's the point? Yeah. One hypothetical also that's obviously now because Trey Living's come to Toronto, everyone's like, oh, who can he trade for on the Flames? And one name that's come up, and these are not rumors, it's just like a hypothetical I want to get your take on it is Elias Lindholm because he only has one year left on his deal. I think he makes under $5 million, which is incredible value. Yep. I mean, in theory, we don't think Cal- I don't think Calgary would just be willing, oh, here you go, Brad, parting gift, take Elias Lindholm from us. But, I mean, this comes from a conversation of do you think Tavares is best placed on the wing? And if so, do you need to go out and get a second-line center? Elias Lindholm is honestly, now that we, we were talking about the best players, the, the most underrated players in the league, yeah. he actually might be. He's got a case. Yeah, because last year he put up probably close to 85 points. He's a Selkie candidate type player. That's obviously a guy you want on your team. Kills penalties as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Leafs could do better killing penalties there. John Tavares just on the wing looks very irrelevant in the playoffs. It might have been because he hadn't had time to practice playing yeah. on the wing. Uh, regardless, he did not look good. But if you give him a full off season, going, you will be playing on the wing, yes. I'm sure John Tavares could manage. And I think Lindholm would hide a lot of John Tavares' slowness on the wing if yeah. he plays 2C. I think it'd be a great hire. I think you'd have to give up multiple first-round picks because... It would be an expensive trade. And, and you'd probably have to give up a prospect as well. If there's a guy on Calgary I would trade for, that's probably the only one that I would trade for. Yeah, of their forwards for sure. For their forwards, yeah. Defensively, there's a lot of guys They've I would got. take. But their forward group in general is old. They're all stagnating. Elias Lindholm was the only one that looks like he hasn't hit the top of the mountain yet. And he's probably going to get paid next year. He will get paid. And he's going to be like late 20s, early yeah, 30s too. So it's going to be a tough contract for whoever signs it. But If it's late 20s, it's a good time to sign him. But if he if he's going to be 30 by the time it signs, he's... You're looking, he's going to get $7 million at least. More. More. Well, sorry. seven. I meant, sorry, I meant seven years. Yeah. So he's going to be 30. He's going to be in his late 30s by the time that deal's up. Yeah. He'll get, never look good, but... He'll get more than Bo Horvat for sure. Like, or at least comparable. Like, that's a great comparable I would use for him. He's better Bo than Horvath. Bo Horvat. But yes. if I'm... If I'm his his um his agent, I'm going. This is what Bo got. Is my guy's getting at least this? Yeah, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear, ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties. Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabout Town today or find them on Instagram at manabouttown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. Let's um continue on. Literally the exact same day that Brad Living gets introduced as the GM as his press conference, not not even within half an hour, the um, Penguins announced that Dubas is their president. Guy got fired and then got promoted. Finally which is gets to run his own show. Crazy, yeah, gets to run his own show. Um, we talked about the, the well. The, we know that the Pens were a disaster last year because Hextall Burke. I mean, that that whole situation is now done. Like those guys are both out. Dubas gets to run his own ship. Does he? You think he can get this core of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Mike Sullivan? Consider him part of the core for this kind of discussion do you think he has it in him to give them another run at the cup undoubtedly i think this was the perfect guy to go get for this team presume and this is the why that this is the reason why i say this we talked about this they showed a commitment to giving this core a three or four year window they gave them all deals that are going to expire at 41 they're going to be bad in two years so you look at this team and you go um the pittsburgh penguins presumably every single deadline will be making a humongous splash and this year, in quite argue, inarguably, I would say, the biggest trade deadline in the last 10 to 15 years, yeah. Ron, Heck, Ron, Hextall, Ron Hextall Ron Hextall goes out and gets Grandland. Michael Granlund for a second-round pick. Second. Like it, it, both, both of those are awful. Um, so if you're the, 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 the ownership of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you go, we need a guy who shows a willingness to make, tra- make trade deadline moves and ones that have value. Kyle Dubas, over his tenure in the Toronto Maple Leafs, has probably shown he's one of the best GMs in the league at making good trade deadline yep. deals, at analyzing a team where they are halfway through the season and saying, this is what we need. And I think the Pittsburgh Penguins have enough grit and enough character that they'll probably make use of those deadline deals, unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I think he's a great guy to go out in this window and say, we have three years. Do whatever you need to do over these next three years to get this team a cup. Yeah, I agree. I think he is the perfect guy for it. Yeah. 
Um, he even said as much in his press conference that he's going to be like the acting GM until July. Like 100%. he wants he. It's funny because he left the situation in Toronto because he didn't get full control as a GM. And now he's going to not give whatever GM he inevitably hires full control. Like it's funny how that works. Yeah. Um, but it he seem, wants it seems his, like that's the new way that yes. front offices are run. It's kind of strange. Then why? Why have a GM if you're going to have a president who's really your GM? I agree. But he's going to have his fingerprints all over this team, starting at the draft, then through free agency and through trades. Like this offseason, we're going to see, I think, and he's inheriting $20 million in cap space. So we're going to see a very different Pittsburgh Penguins team. Penguins are going to be good. I, I, I posted a tweet, and, and mind you, I, don't, I have 45 followers on Twitter. It is nothing special. But the reason why I bring that up is I posted a poll saying who wins a cup first, Dubis and the Pens or Ooh. the Leafs and Trey Living. And with my 45 followers, I got like 70 votes on this. Okay. Like it went off. And people are clearly invested in this. A very large majority said Kyle Dubas and the Penguins are going to win a cup before the That's Leafs. That right? could be recency bias. It could be Leafs fans thinking, oh, God, we're so bad again. But yeah, but if, I if, could see it. If it is recency bias with the Toronto Maple Leafs, how did recency bias go from Dubas is awful to, oh, Dubas is Yeah, you're right. right? I think it's just Leafs. Anything Leafs related, we're going to vote against. But. I think Dubas does have something to do with it. I wouldn't have faith in this Penguins organization having success if they kept things status quo. Who do you think goes deeper next year? They're both in the East, so. Mm, I think the Penguins have a lot more trouble making the playoffs. Um, I mean, I'm going to bow back the Leafs. I, I don't think... I'd have, to, I'd have to see what the Penguins look like. But based on what we saw this year, like on the ice, I mean, Crosby had still over 90 points That's and they great. still couldn't make the playoffs. Like they need... Crosby to be just as good, and then everyone else that they bring in to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah, it's a big ask. They need a goalie. They need Tristan Jari to wake up. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna move on from him. Yeah, yeah. So that something's in the water in Pittsburgh, man. These goalies go from Vesna caliber to just you know well, cup they, potential to just. Bye-bye. Yeah, they come up and be they're great for two years, and then they're disasters afterwards. Speaking of goalie, um, Winnipeg is I heard potentially gonna move on from Hellebuck. Do you think that's? Do you think Dubis goes out and targets like a bonafide superstar goalie or do you think he does what he's been doing with the Leafs and taking some risks with some goalies who maybe have injury history or are coming off a down year like what do you think his how's, approach how's is that work be? for the Toronto Maple Leafs I mean during the regular season they've been okay yeah but no one cares about the regular like honestly no, like not not to be that guy but like you you play to win the Stanley Cup but you gotta get in the playoffs first if you're Pittsburgh you do but I think we saw with Bobrovsky that an average goalie in the regular season and one in great in the playoffs is better than the flip side. Ilya yeah. Samsonov was great in the regular season. In the playoffs, he was pretty bad. He was like, what, he an 870, 880? He was he bad. He was below average. He was bad. Hopefully, Kyle Dubas learns from his mistakes here. He had a trial run in Toronto. Hopefully, he goes out and gets a big name. I heard Connor Hellebuck landing spots are the two biggest ones are Toronto and Pittsburgh, obviously. Toronto's no. I don't think that happens. I, I don't think it happens either. So do you think that's a trade he'd be willing to go out and make then? If I, he's yeah, if I, he, I if Kyle Dubas has shown that he learns from his mistakes. Like I remember earlier on in his tenure with the Leafs, he he prioritized skill at the deadline and like finesse. And towards the end of his tenure, he saw what the Leafs needed and he added more character. Hopefully, he's able to carry that to Pittsburgh and goes. They need a goalie. Um, I think Hellebuck would fit great on that team. Which Leafs do you think he takes with him, if any? Because they're, they're all free. Like, a lot of his guys are free agents. You have Kerfoot, who he clearly is attached to. Justin Hall, he's clearly attached to. Michael Bunting was the guy that he recruited. Those guys are all UFAs. Do you think Do you think he takes any of them with him? Or if you don't think he will, who do you think of those three is, like, the most likely? Probably Michael Bunting. Honestly, Justin Hall, everyone can see it. Justin Hall's not good at hockey. Like, he's, he's not going to take Justin Hall. The Pittsburgh Penguins are already old. They're slow defensively. I think Michael Bunting probably offers them a little bit of grit, and he offers them top six, um, yeah. like off scoring, which is they they don't really have like they have a big hole on their second line, because um, I'm pretty sure it's it's Gensel, Rust, and Raquel. Raquel's he's kind of those mid. are their three wingers. Those are their three. So there's one glaring like fourth or third line winger who's playing second line right now that they need to fix. Yeah, I think Bunting is a great sixth forward. Yeah, and I and- think yeah, I think honestly. Bunting knows Dubas was the one who gave him that chance. Maybe he signs a team-friendly deal. Who doesn't want to play with Sidney Crosby? Yeah, maybe. He did say in his press conference that he wants to prioritize top six forwards as like yeah. kind of the, what he's targeting this offseason. Because they have no scoring depth. So it could be him that they don't. No, and they're they're very... Well, they do have scoring depth. It's just, just they're never all playing at the same time. They're always they a hurt. Lot of, a lot of injury problems. Yeah. So speaking, Gensel's kind of a guy who... He was good last year, as he always is, but kind of missed some time, I think, and it was inconsistent relative to what he usually is. Yeah. 
I was reading a couple of articles out of writers in Pittsburgh, and they were asking the question, because he's going to be a UFA after this season, do you use him as your trade chip to go solve other issues? And if that's like you're trading him to Winnipeg as part of a Hellebuck package? Bunting. Gensel. Gensel, sure. Or are you keeping Gensel because she, Crosby likes him, he plays well with Crosby, and you you maybe risk him leaving in free agency? The second one. You need like this. This is your time to win a cup. I think we all know Pittsburgh is going to be awful for the next 10 years. And they showed a commitment to going out and getting Crosby another cup. There's no way Crosby lets them make that trade. He yeah. would veto that trade himself. <laughs> do you think do you think he slows up that kind of power even with yes. the Dubis kind of taking control now? Dubis even said his his decision to come to Pittsburgh, like an instrumental factor was conversations with Sid. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Sid said, Look, before you make trades, I'm the I'm the guy he, <laughs> You gotta run that by me. For first. sure. Like I mean Sid I'm not gonna sit here and say Sidney Crosby's LeBron James He's the GM, made, right? I was but say. there's if anyone has pull, it's Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it. He, yeah. There was um, that pretty crazy article that came out of The Athletic a couple of weeks ago talking about all the things that went wrong when Hextall and Burke were around. And they they said as much as we kind of already knew. Like, we knew as much, but Crosby saved the Malkin situation. Yes. Like, him and Sullivan both had to talk to Malkin and, like, sort of regroup him because he was ready to leave. Yeah, no, I, he Crosby has pull. Yeah, Crosby, he does kind of what he wants. Yeah. One more thing about Dubis. If you're the Leafs, are you afraid that he comes in and starts poaching the yes. guys who have made you one of the best teams behind the scenes? I think that's that was the biggest worry of him leaving. Like, is Brandon Pridham going to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Even, even, even if not Pridham, guys like Wes Clark, they're scouting guys like sure. who they... Other guys, sports science guys that they have. The Leafs have been notoriously one of the better teams in the NHL at drafting yeah. very recently. And... You know, it's it obviously this is trivial. You like working for a boss that treats you well, and it seems like they had a good thing going on mm-hmm. there. You said it well at all three levels of the organization, they were top tier in the NHL. And I mean, if you're even if you work in corporate finance and one of your bosses gets a better job to a different bank and he says, I'll take you with me, obviously, I'm going to do that all else equal. I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs lose a lot of guys that have a lot of not pull, but a lot of um. They're very important to this yeah. team's success in the background. I agree, and that that that's like losing Kyle in and of himself was tough because we both liked the way that he operated. Yeah. But if now we're losing, like, even if it's as many or as few as like five guys behind the scenes that he wants to take with them, those will be five guys who Dubas knows are good and are important to what he built here. Yeah. And then you got to rehire them, and who knows? I don't know if I can trust Shandy to hire those guys. I don't know if I can trust True Living to hire those guys because we don't know. The vibe what he is does. different. Like the vibe is yeah. just different now. And presumably, if the Leafs are trying to go more old style, traditional GM, data science guys might not be as as prioritized in that. Which would, which I hope, Babcock. It's not Babcock. Oh my God, I have Babcock on my sheet. Shanahan would have learned is important. Yeah. So hopefully he would still like make adjustments and keep sort of that same thought process behind the scenes. But it's hard to know. And you're not going to be able to hire the guys who are just as good. I agree. They're elsewhere. Yep. Um, I said Babcock. So let's just, we've had very leaf adjacent things to talk about today, but they're all kind of relevant. So we have to talk about them. The last one is like Babcock's coming back and he's going to the Blue Jackets. This one makes literally no sense this to fu- me. It's actually funny. It to makes me. no sense to me. I mean, if you want to give your thoughts first, and I can after, there is just not a single spot on this team that makes me think Babcock is a good fit. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't think you could pick a team with the where their two best players are as l- less Babcock-type players. Exactly. Like, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine are both the, the opposite of a Babcock player. Yeah, Gaudreau hated Daryl Sutter. And yeah. Babcock is Daryl Sutter on steroids. He's, he's kind of, yeah, he's the same vibe. Patrick Laine doesn't play defense. He and plays Fortnite. There's no way Babcock's yeah, going to let him play Fortnite. Fortnite. No, but it's true. Like, like Patrick Laine <laughs> is one of these, like, new types of players that likes to you know he likes to be a kid outside of hockey and babcock was always one of those guys who ran a ship that was so tight i feel like players on the leafs like we're scared to breathe around him yeah it seemed that way once we like things that came out behind the scenes do you think that you know in a perfect world these three or four years off however long it's been has changed the way he no, approaches hockey no guys like it's obviously i've anyone can change but he has been set in his ways for such a long yeah. period of time. I mean, like another thing is, is this team is young. Like they are so young. They're going to be drafting high again this year. I know they didn't get the draft pick that they wanted, but they're still going to be drafting gonna, fifth. Probably it's a deep draft. Third, third. They're drafting third. Are they? Yeah, third. Probably going to get Leo Carlson. Who was the team that was drafting sixth? 
that was I can't remember. Regardless, there was a team that was supposed to be picking high that wasn't. It wasn't them. Regardless of who it was, they're going to be picking third. They Ken Johnson is very young. Yeah. I think do they have who else is that young guy they have on that team? They have great. um Kirill March Marchenko who's yeah. really young. They have Cole Sillinger who's really young. R- regardless, Mike Babcock has never been known to be a development type coach. I think the Blackhawks are probably looking at how Blue Jackets. He, sorry, Blue Jackets. My God. Blue Jackets are probably looking at like what he did with the Leafs and their really young team and thinking that, oh my God, he got this team to the playoffs in their first year. Look what he turned Matthews and Marner into. Like, whether that's the correct line of thinking, <laughs> I definitely think that's what they're thinking. They were Matthews and Marner turned out to who they were in spite of Mike Babcock, not the other way around. Yeah. I mean, when, I, when he left, I it came out that Mitch Marner hated Mike Babcock yeah. for justified reasons. Right. But, right. I, I, but I don't think that they care about Mitch Marner's opinion. I think they're probably looking at this, this, the statistics, statistics, if you want to use them. And they're like, wow, this guy instilled a culture in this young team. He got them to be like more disciplined. Look how he turned Matthews into this two way player, blah, 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 blah. I think that's why he's got a job it's now. Baloney. But no, I, maybe that, 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 if that's the one area of justification we could give, maybe I think Mike Babcock needed to get his foot back in the door, so he took any job that he could. Right, hop I, back on the coaching carousel, and now you find your way exactly. to a better team later. He, on. he wasn't. I don't think this would be his ideal destination. No. But if you want to get back into it, you got to take what's available. And yeah, I just like presumably when Johnny Gaudreau signs to the Blue Jackets, a big part of that is I mean I want to have some say in what you do with this team. There's I just don't see a world where the GM went to Goudreau and said, are you good with Babcock? And he said, yes. I also don't see a rule, um, a, a world where the GM said, screw Goudreau, I'm just going to hire him. So I don't understand how this happened. Like, I, I don't. It just makes no I don't sense know. to me. I, I feel like maybe, you know, you go up, like, what's Johnny really going to say, though? No, like, don't hire this guy? Because then if they end up hiring him, like, what are you going to do? Like, it's probably a situation where they go up to Goudreau and they say, listen, we're thinking about hiring this guy. And Johnny's got to be like, Okay, do what you think is best. Like, I, do you think Johnny's the type of guy who would want to have that type of say? He left a big market to go be low key and raise a family in Columbus, as is his right. Like, do you think he's the type of guy to be like, no, don't hire him? Well, I feel like he left. He left that system in Calgary because there was just too much responsibility on him offensively and defensively. He took away from his offensive yeah. abilities. Now you come here. Mike Babcock's a very defensive coach. Like, he yeah, plays his third line more than his oriented. first line. Like, it's I I don't know. This is going to be a mess, but they don't care about the Blue Jackets anyway. I <laughs> know that's terrible. Well, I mean, I think you can, ex- I think similar to the Leafs, because you can't get worse than what they were, yeah. you'll actually probably see them improve under him, which will go even more into that narrative that he still is an effective coach. Um, but maybe I'm being optimistic. I have faith that he's kind of learned about what does and doesn't work. I mean, he kind of got a kick in the butt on the way out of Toronto because of the way he did things. I don't think people have forgotten about the way he treated guys like Johan Franz and like literally like treated him like a piece of garbage. Awful. Awful. Like, I can't believe he has a job. I, honestly, I thought. Yeah. I, I think my I thought Mike Babcock at the time, and I still do think that he probably didn't deserve another head coaching job in the NHL. Yeah, and, and more so for what how he treated guys before Marner. What he did to Marner was bad, but I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens more often than we learn of, just because it was in Toronto and people ran with that story. Yeah. Even the but, even the Mike Medano story. Mike Medano. That 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 one is. And Awful. for those who, for those who don't know what we're referring to, what was it? It's gonna be his two thousandth, no, thousandth game, thousandth game. And he he was in Detroit, and Mike Babcock had him in like the last games of the season, so he didn't hit a thousand. I don't think he he retired on nine ninety nine, didn't he, he? Or, or something like that. Something. It was, or maybe in fifteen hundred, maybe in fourteen ninety nine. Regardless, whatever it was, huge it was milestone. Bad. It was bad, and there was even another. What? Oh, the Jason Spets on a much lower on scale. opening day. Dude, these are just little things that make you like obviously you don't want to make assumptions about a, a reason why someone does something but they're just certain decisions where you go i've ruled out every other possible logical possibility this needs to be spite yeah and with spetsa it was for sure because after that with keith when that was a years later or a year later spetsa was an important part of our team yeah. like he wasn't because he wasn't good enough i think babcock just picks things or he he wants to sort of it's an ego thing for sure. It was like, no, this is my team. Like, I don't care if we're all like happy. We're all like happy go lucky, and like this is this is my show. Yeah. And I want to piss you guys off, and which is not the way you run teams anymore. Not 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 in twenty twenty three. I think the he learned that the hard way in Toronto. So maybe he's changed. Maybe he's still gonna be 
a bit of an ass and do things incorrectly like that's possible well we're gonna learn and um from what if there's ever stories that come out of columbus we'll hear about it but i think it'll be funny to watch fun to watch from a distance and it'll be something it'll be a reason to kind of keep tabs on columbus because otherwise we don't but i think that does that bring us kind of to the end anything you want to say before we yeah really really quickly um give us your pick to win the cup and how many games Mm. we didn't do that I think I would have still picked Vegas before this. Yeah, me too. I would have maybe said Vegas in like seven. So maybe I'll say Vegas in six now. I, I do Vegas. think Vegas is the team that finally stops Florida because they're rough enough and they can put up with their BS enough to then beat them the other, on the other way. Vegas in six as well. Vegas in six? Yeah, they're going to do it at home. Would you be surprised if Florida won? No. No. No, but I would be surprised if Florida won without Bobrovsky standing on his head. So, But I would also wouldn't be surprised if Bobrovsky stands on his head. So... um I'm hoping everything in me that Florida doesn't win, but yeah. we'll see. It's been five years now that the Toronto Maple Leafs have lost to the team that gets to the Stanley Cup or something like that. It was Florida. Silver lining. Florida. Um, it was then obviously Mon- Tampa Montreal, Tampa. Montreal, Boston in 2013. Boston, yeah. And I think maybe Boston 2018 too. I'm not surprised. Kind of sad. If you want to, uh, if you want to win a cup, just play the Leafs in the first round. Play the round. Leafs and beat them. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not even going to start. We'll talk about this next time when we have another reason to be sad. But um, maybe by the time we talk again, it'll be Stanley Cup will have been handed out and then we can do our like official season wrap-up. So that'll be a fun episode. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens from now until then and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.